0: You're not a
1: child, Rich. Use your words.
0: (laughs) Every day is a school day.
1: Oh, can I tell you about another dream?
0: Yes. I'd love that.
1: Right. So something really weird happened to me yesterday. No, day before yesterday. I got a notification on my email saying your package from Amazon has arrived. And I was like, I haven't ordered anything. I don't understand. So I went to pick it up, opened the package and it was two head torches. And I was like, what the fuck? So I looked in my emails. I looked at when I bought it. I'd bought it around about 3.30 in the morning. That (laughs) night, I don't remember buying it. That night, I had a nightmare about how the torch in my bug out bag that I have under my suitcases, because that's the person I am.
0: (laughs) What's a bug out bag?
1: It means that I can leave the house at a drop of a notice and survive four or five days. Okay. I had a lot of issues when I was a teenager. I'm fine. <laughs> Preppers for life. Okay. <laughs> we can get into that another time. Just putting a little anyway, pin in that. So anyway, yep. Carry on. <laughs> Are you know this about me. I'm
0: learning more every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, I had a dream that the torch in my bug out bag was broken and that all the lights went out and I was say I'd woken up from that nightmare and ordered torches on Amazon and I don't remember doing it. Anyway, so I was like, okay, whatever. And then I had the same nightmare yesterday and I was like, what the fuck is this fucking nightmare? So I went into my bug out bag and my torch is broken. Oh. And I had no idea. Not even like batteries, like full on broken, like something's wrong with it where nothing works. And I was like,
0: okay. So I've replaced it and now I'm like, oh, that's nice. Okay. There you go. Thank you. That's another illuminating insight into the mind of Lolo Brown. (laughs) (laughs) On the plus side, this means I've definitely picked the right apocalypse survival partner.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've had a bug out bag for about 10 years.
0: Is this different to the thing that all women are supposed to have, which is like you can escape in the middle of the night bag?
1: Basically, yeah. It just basically means that I can leave without anything just everything's ready to go in one bag and it's it was like a weird phase where I was so concerned with the world and everything was so heavy and I think it was like coming out of teens into your 20s and all of a sudden all these pressures of life and everything just kind of came crushing down on me and for some reason having something that meant that if anything happened I could just grab this and go stopped my anxiety peaking and I I don't believe the apocalypse is around the corner because, you know, we're yeah, sitting in it I and say apparently exactly it. the apocalypse doesn't require a uh, spork. It just requires you to sit on your ass unemployed. <laughs> well, there's
0: no way you can go to escape it. So you might as well just watch Netflix and enjoy.
1: Yeah, so I could just eat my Tim Beans uh, with my spork on my sofa. <laughs> it's fine. So
0: the question on everybody's lips is how many period products are in it? <laughs> oh, only a moon cup oh well you had a moon cup when you were in your late teens early 20s no so i
1: check and add it when my anxiety gets really bad or when i can't handle things it soothes my anxiety to add things to it and to check on it and things like that so that has adapted over the years
0: what's the weirdest thing in it
1: i don't think anything's weird i think it's all really really normal hang on god
0: you must have things to barter in (laughs) it presumably you must have envisaged a cashless situation
1: no but i do have four boxes of microgynon okay because i was like i think they could be quite good for bartering and also could hold me in for a while if i needed to wa- not worry about that because of something
0: that's true for
1: those of you listening microgynon is essentially the original pill it's like the oldest you could also kill somebody with
0: it oh it's horrendous but it's like sturdy as fuck in case you wanted to inflict skin itching and mild depression onto somebody Whee! by just slipping one in their drink every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are you asking, babe? Uh, have you allowed yourself any luxuries in the bug out bag? No, there's no luxuries in there. I've got some nice um, water purifiers. That was the treat to myself about six months ago, just before the
0: apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, I'm applauding your dedication to organisation. It's not organised. It's optimistic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's really annoys me is that I have this recurring nightmare that the apocalypse happens, but I'm not at home when it happens. I'm like, fuck!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just so you all know, I would have had a lot of useful stuff if this had been at home. <laughs> I would have been way better at this. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you a story that my friend told me about her... Grandma or great grandma, please do, who is presumably of a mindset and generation where women weren't allowed to have bank accounts. So um she was a great advocate for, and presumably this must have been relatively common, women having a secret stash of cash in case they mm. needed to run away in the middle of the night. And if I remember correctly, she was married to a a pastor or a priest. Basically, they had no money. Everything they had, they gave to the church and, and they worked within the church community. And upon her death, they found, squirreled away, £80,000. <laughs> that's right I thought fuck me that's some squirreling that is some good squirreling but also really sad
1: that she didn't get to spend it oh I didn't think of that bit My sad I'm sorry
0: I hope they bought her a badass dress to bury her in <laughs> uh, my job here is to depress you you're just here to deflate my balloon with a little pin
1: <laughs> oh you're feeling interested about something <laughs> <laughs>
0: Here's why what you said is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a relationship with me. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, what would I put in my bust-out bag? I think I'd probably have to put my only pair of designer shoes to either be used as a weapon or a bartering tool. Jimmy Choo's, saddle up. <laughs> what is a Jimmy Choo's? Are they your designer shoes? I have one pair of Jimmy oh, Choo's.
1: That's nice. Mm. On the subject of what you would have in your bug-out bag, I've got a, more, a question that I think I would like to hear the answer to, which is nice. What three items... Would be used to summon you
0: as a spirit. <laughs> that is a nice question. I don't know. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I don't know why they got me like right in. <laughs> I thought it's going to be like. That's funny,
1: bitch. I was like, oh, it's going to be something like lace or something like sexy that she has in like. I like, was no, fucking stinky cheese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cheese? Um, oh, because it has to be the right cheese. You can't just say cheese. Okay, okay. If you want a wanky answer, you can have San Felician. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Or you know, just just a just a good old cheese string. That's fine. <laughs>
1: But so technically in this kind of scenario, the closer you are to the wanky cheese, the more likely your spirit is to
0: come. But you could be tempted out with a cheese string depending on how bored you are as a spirit. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And we don't know that there's cheese in heaven. We've already discussed the problems of heaven. Oh, yeah. in a bonus episode that our listeners haven't heard yet. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> we've got a solid 20 minutes of content we're going to drop on you at some point, which is absolute craziness. <laughs> Brilliant. Item number two. Uh, okay. All right. Tension. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, oh, this is tough. Uh, a rosary. <laughs> obviously oh, no. um made of anything in particular um i think one out of my cabinet something something uh, that's got to be off the wall it's got to have disco balls on it it's got to glow in the dark it's got to have a dancing mother mary on it just some some absolute extreme piece of catholic insanity it would be item number two Oh item number three. Oh, sad uh i don't know something to do with gossip a picture a picture of someone I despise doing something shit that I have to comment on. I don't know. No, that's not a good answer.
1: <laughs> Why? Do, it could be anything. It could be the person has to um, give you a secret that they've never told anyone. Oh, about.
0: the person has to have a really good piece of gossip. There you go. You need to have yeah. something that's like... Because information is use. my yeah commodity. People who, who know me and know being on my good side, you have to come at me with some piece of knowledge that I don't know that's, that's oh, useful, the, interesting or funny.
1: Ah, okay. It's the easiest way to get you on side. Yeah. So it's food. No, no, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Trashy religion and yeah. information. Cool, 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 cool. That's good. I like that. Okay, cool. Just in case you die and I need you to come back to help me with some kind of invoicing problem.
0: <laughs> well, I have nothing else to do, so sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, heaven sucks.
1: We're not going to heaven though. We've discussed yeah. this. We're not going Obviously. to heaven. We flat out refuse.
0: I'd rather stay here and horny you, father. We covers. can't go somewhere that doesn't exist. Oh, controversial. Wouldn't it be awful if we were just stuck here forever? When you die, you're just on Earth still as a spirit, but just forever.
1: Can I see other ghosts? Uh, I presume so. Well, that's not too bad because my friends are going to die at some point. So then we just like hang out.
0: Yeah, but we're going to be bored. What can we do? Push books around. Push books around.
1: Uh, Gaslight politicians. Down for that. Or we could just like, I don't know, hang out people watch it does sound boring but I imagine we'd
0: find a groove I've never understood people who want to live forever no I always thought it would be a joke on them I don't get it I, yeah I don't, I don't get, get, it. get it immortality doesn't make sense yeah I don't understand wanting to live forever and I don't understand wanting to be famous Mm-mm. no rich yes famous no yeah and successful yes famous no
1: yeah I'd like I like the idea of being respected I don't like the idea of being recognized and held in that position it doesn't make sense one of the questions in 32 questions to love is what I've talked about before is, would you like to be famous? I've always said no. And each time my partners have always been like, you're in the wrong job. I'm like, <laughs> "Am I? I'm not going to get famous. Don't worry. And especially now I'm like, <laughs> well, how would you summon you? Uh, I think it has to be a used condom. <laughs> Covered in nasal fluid? Any fluid, it has to have some bodily fluid on it. It can't be your own bodily fluid. It has to come from someone else.
0: Okay, but it doesn't have to be sperm.
1: Doesn't have to be sperm. It can be spit. It can be anything that comes with you. It can even be sweat. And then I think I was going to say a glass of tequila, but let's not be stupid. A bottle of mezcal. Mm -hmm. And
0: I think (laughs) just a pun. So basically, in our standard House of Burlesque work bag are all the things to summon you. <laughs> yes.
1: I'm easy to summon. Easy in life, easy in death.
0: <laughs> easy? It's not, it's not a word I'd use to describe your personality.
1: Well played, well played. I didn't miss referring to my personality,
0: but absolutely fine. No, I'm terrible. I have no lols, but I have savage (laughs) country. (laughs) Can't make you laugh, but I can sure as hell make you cry. (laughs) uh,
1: Gin salt, because my cat's bored of me. (laughs) Gin salt,
0: must she laugh so much?
1: (laughs) Is that a reference to you? yes (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you do laugh. Yeah, I laugh quietly, so everyone just thinks that I'm funnier. But actually, I'm laughing, but I'm laughing silently because I'm the most useless audience member that's ever existed. <laughs> I laugh like a cartoon panting dog
0: and it's not great. I'm going to stop laughing audibly from now on and then you're just going to be left hanging in the silences that will normally be filled with my cackling. When we were little, my mum used to get really mad when we would laugh. I know, funny, I'm looking forward to this mother story and she would say that we were laughing like (laughs) stupid monkeys and that phrase just makes me laugh. (laughs) So I did initially write down something like, Ginso, laughing like stupid monkeys. (laughs) Oh, do you know what's really interesting? It's just made me remember something. Go on. At
1: school with the nuns, we were basically told to only laugh quietly. If we laughed too loud, we'd get shouted at. Oh. And I'm like, is that why I laugh? Like some weird breathing dog? Because I don't know how to laugh? And I was like, no, let's not blame everything on the nuns. Is this some weird Catholic thing against laughing? No, it was more to do with ladies
0: oh yeah it's
1: along with like ladies don't cross their legs ladies know how to get their husband a promotion with a dinner party and ladies aren't loud we don't make loud noises even footsteps we had to walk down the hallway quietly what kind of weird finishing school did you go to oh my god i mean it sounds lol (laughs) but the thing is most of this was all when i was between the ages of three and 14 after that it didn't really do that
0: after that, it's marriage time. <laughs> oh my God. So I did realise you went to school in the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was time for the wedding. See, laughing.
1: I was laughing the entire time, but just nothing came out. <laughs> I've got like, uh, hang on, wait, wait it's like erectile dysfunction but for my laugh um wait no something will happen later it will come into middle of conversation I'll sneak up on you like a pun viper <laughs> a pun panther
0: a punther punther <laughs> see we need each other <laughs> <laughs> we, we do because what else is there nothing but from our live tomorrow this is the the day before the live how are you feeling about it i'm feeling excited and obviously stressed Because we've just been doing this in the privacy of our own separate homes uh, with somebody (laughs) to make us sound like we can speak in fluid sentences. And that illusion is going to be shattered tomorrow. Yeah. Also, I was thinking about the seating arrangement because it's going to be weird for the audience if we're just staring at each other. But it's going to be weird having conversations with you. We're not really looking at each other. Well,
1: yeah. How do we sit? How do we sit? Yeah. Uh, How do you sit? And also, I think it's my one is like, this is the peak time in the day for me to have conversation. Past two o'clock in the afternoon, I am useless. So I'm just going to be like, well, cool. Except on stage. Hopefully. I can't remember what it's like on stage. I
0: know. So weird. (laughs) Anyway, back to the topic.
1: (laughs) Uh, Back to the topic. So I was interested in, asking you what would summon you yeah. as a spirit because i think We're that
0: we are going to die no carry on all
1: right so today my my darling listeners my yeah i know when you do every time you do that i'm like that motherfucker <laughs> i don't know Hello. I just feel like a dog in my territory mine um <laughs> sorry guys I'm not pissing on you unless you want me to and want to pay me a willing fee because woo, she's broke and has loose morals so we decided a topic that has been on everyone's lips and something that we have dibby dabbed on on many occasion is the concept of sexiness so we decided to do a deep dive into where the word sexy came from and what we believe sexiness is and how sexiness works in the real world versus how it works for us as showgirls on stage so first while her tempest's
0: dog tempest's pooch is getting a blow dry <laughs> my pooch is at the home salon she doesn't like it what is this shit salon <laughs> these oh. tails <towels> aren't clean <laughs> Who is the champagne
1: <laughs> oh i love naya so the word sexy the first definition that will come up is concerned predominantly or excessively with sex
0: okay that wasn't what i was expecting
1: Neither was I, and I was really confused by it. I'll go in with the other definitions, which is what you're familiar with, and then I'll let you know what that means. Okay. So the next one is excitingly appealing, and the other one is radiating sexuality the last two are more what we associate with sexy mm-hmm. those sort of things and exciting and appealing is also how we refer to objects so um a car is sexy or this is sexy as well so it kind of allows for both personal and objectification mm-hmm. there's arguments over the first appearance of the word sexy it's actually relatively new as a term i thought it was a word as old as time because we like adding the e onto anything to make it sound more fun like oh. my friend's daughter when they were a baby was poopy baby because if you put an e on the end of it it turn something that's really shitty into something that's cute
0: literally <laughs>
1: ah, poo references for the win so the argument goes that the word sexy appears in 1923 as so, a uh, valentino uses it to describe a woman specifically in that sort of way that we like talk about radiating sexuality before that however in 1896 is where you actually see the original appearance of sexy now sexy wasn't always meant to be like radiant sexuality and like that kind of prowess that we kind of think of as sexy sexy as a word originates as the first definition concern predominantly or excessively with sex it literally translates into full, which means that you are more concerned with sex than anything else so it's a at the forefront of your mind so sexiness was more of a uh, thought process and action less of a characteristic and a how would you describe it An attribute? Yeah, that one. Awesome. So that's kind of what it is. And it kind of then started tumbling into slang from 1920s through to now. And now it's common slang. We use it from everything. Like even a cup of coffee can be sexy. Sexy is so now just anything that it kind of loses its meaning i really do like the old meaning of it because it's so fucking sordid but also while i was there do you want to hear some slang mm. do you want to hear some old slang Yes. because i was trying to find out what
0: people used for the word sexy before they used sexy as a word well i was uh, gonna say i it doesn't surprise me actually that it's quite a new word there's no shakespeare sonnets of the word sexy in it
1: yeah because we all know that shakespeare wrote everything
0: i hate shakespeare <laughs> we'll do that another time <laughs> She's laughing again.
1: Carry on. <laughs> Sorry. So I wanted to find out what people use as the word sexy back in the day, and I found out there was a book written in seventeen eighty-five called The Classical Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue. Ooh. oh Excellent. I need to buy it and read it. Any anyway, listeners, if you are if you have it at home, please do send us pictures of it and tell us your favourite words from it because it's fucking brilliant my favourite so far is that a penis is a pego a pego it sounds Australian it's a pego pego wishy uh, well, pego you see your pego <laughs> and um, balls are bobs, <laughs> or bobs. I think it's bobs or bogs. I can't do it because I'm pretty and not reading and also a blowjob is uh, a bagpipe okay <laughs> Uh, general sex was more referred to as a beast with two backs that is shakespeare cock (laughs) um (laughs) to get cockroaches was masturbation oh okay there is literally no understanding of why that is it's one of the ones that's just like cool we all collectively understand that cockroaches refer to masturbation maybe because it's just a fad that won't die nice I like like you're thinking. Well done. I know. I'm really proud. I, did, I didn't even write that in advance. That just came to me now like an organic fountain of genius. <laughs> basket making and man trap. So basket making more refers to making love. Man trap is vagina. So that's just the general kind of like stuff. There wasn't actually much in the way of sexiness. It was more about sexy acts that people would write in letters. However, in the, between 1910 and 1930, you would find words like bear cat. Bearcat was a word to describe a woman that we would now describe as a firecracker. Okay. A real, like, oof, upstarter, a real, like, go getter and powerful and sexy and awesome. And another one, um, which I freaking love, was uh, in 1930. You saw the appearance of the uh, phrase butter and eggfly. What? What does that mean? Which refers to a woman that is beautiful and has many admirers. Oh, butter and eggfly. <laughs>
0: Butter and egg fly. <laughs> I've never felt so seen? these words.
1: I'm <laughs> more the butter and egg fly. It's like what the most
0: ludicrous things in the world. I want to do more of a deep dive into these words because they, they are insane. Insane. Love them though. Do you think there's a correlation between the emergence of the term sexy and the emergence of advertising? Possibly. I have no evidence to back that up, but that's my working theory. <laughs> Advertising's always existed though
1: but as long as consumerism has existed advertising has
0: no not necessarily or not in the way that we think of it in modern terms it's no that's not true (laughs) advertising was invented and and created as was the kind of marketing that we have and i think maybe one of our listeners can correct me around the 20s and 30s is the period where we start to see it and obviously it goes into like overdrive in the 50s and 60s
1: okay but what about the appearance of those um advertisements? Like we we've we've read loads of advertisements about tonics and elixirs that have existed in news articles from the Victorian era and pre Victorian as well. So is that not advertising? And they were all like lies and they're all sex was always used to sell
0: those. Uh, yeah, um, those did exist. But I still think, and again, I can't back this up. I'm going to have to go away and look at this for another time. I, I will postulate the theory that when we've had products, we've had to sell them. um, And there have been systems for that. But I think this, the way that we advertise nowadays is rooted in something much more recent. And I think 20s, 30s is around the time that comes into play. I could be talking shit.
1: I think I agree. I think it was more of a case that it became less of a add on to consumerism and more of a driving force in its own inherent category of consumerism, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I think it's to do with a way of thinking about that's linked to personal identity and about kind of aspiration, how you sell things by, oh, I listened to an entire podcast about this. It's great when your memory just doesn't work. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think... It's tired of cigarettes. There's something to do with cigarettes. There's something to do with wanting to be like people who have products. And yeah, there's like this whole new way of advertising. Although I suppose you could say that in the last decade or so, advertising has changed again because now we have a much more subtle, insidious form of advertising through social media, which is we sell products while pretending that the last thing on our mind is selling products.
1: Yeah, of course. And that's
0: probably like new new advertising
1: oh yeah it's, um, it's the Dove campaign which is the real dangerous one which oh, is terrifying yes. it's like that kind of like idea of you don't need anything you don't need anything except this
0: product yeah
1: it is terrifying so advertising has now changed from trying to sell you a product that will make your life better or make you a more normal human and more about settling into society and this now we're selling you a brand that if you associate with yourself and associate with your brand because that's what we all are now mm in how we market ourselves in the world will make you a better brand.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's disturbing.
1: Oh, it is. It's really, really insidious. I did a lot of research into advertising and its relationship with consumerism when I built Captain. And it's very much like as long as we've had a system where we have sold things with currency, then we have a system where advertising and sales does exist. But I do appreciate that you are talking more of the very postmodern consumerist way of thinking which is this kind of like con artist don't you want to be better style things not like this is a product buy it
0: yeah it's it's mm. linked with like personal identity and aspiration and wanting to be included in a set of people
1: yeah hmm. yeah interesting anyway <laughs> and this specifically using sex but um sex will always
0: sell that is the truth of the matter
1: say so, What is sexy?
0: What is sexy? Are you sexy? Am I sexy? (laughs) Who's sexy? I knew that you would come with research. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that. Um, Whilst I listened to my dog being blow dried upstairs, I decided that's a euphemism from 1925. (laughs) (laughs) Well, <laughs> I thought I'd do a survey on my Instagram story and ask people what they thought sexy was and interestingly although perhaps unsurprisingly from a group of people who are either indoctrinated by me or are obsessed with burlesque or body positivity and move in our kind of circles or have been influenced by our circles the overwhelming answer was confidence Mm. which I thought was interesting and and is a perspective that I teach from I asked my husband to put the same story on his Instagram story and boringly only one person answered and they said my fiancé walking the dog what? (laughs) so I don't know if that says nothing or says a lot about circles outside of our own
1: what? (laughs) okay hang on no so what's happened is the person has taken an action as sexy and someone doing something as sexy whereas your audience has taken something that is a characteristic as sexy so it's more about consumed because sexiness is something in our society to be consumed along with like everything else like arts and stuff like that so an action will be consumed confidence will be admired Mm. Uh, it's not surprising that your lot said that because i imagine my lot would say that as well
0: confidence is sexy why is confidence sexy uh so i find sexiness is really interesting concept because sexiness is a woman's arena we are expected to be sexy it's not really a term i think that has been as much applied to men. I don't think men worry about being sexy. I don't think men go on courses to learn how to be sexy. I think sexy is a woman's task. But but the real shitter about it, I think, is that you you have you have to be sexy as a woman, but you can't know it because if you know that you're sexy, then you're a whore and you're vain. And that is the is the wonderful thing about the sexiness in the modern age. <laughs> no, um,
1: I completely agree. This idea that it's this constant balancing act in like growing up with uh, female presenting bodies or being femme this kind of idea that you you are not you're allowed to be pretty but not know it sexy but not know it you're allowed you're not allowed to be too frigid too horny too anything it's like so what, what what it's just a minefield of how you're supposed to do it and you're allowed to be
0: confident and people want you to be confident no, you're not allowed to be confident. People pretend they want you to be confident, which is my other bit of why I find the system whole so fucked up, which is we have a consumer culture built around shattering women's confidence. <laughs> so uh, we have this weird thing of like, you must be sexy. You can't know you're sexy because then you're a bitch and a whore. Oh, by the way, here are all the reasons that we're going to undermine every bit of confidence that might allow you to be sexy because we need to make money out of you at the same time. And the thing that I find particularly fascinating is that a lot of really predatory icky men like to sell this card that they like confident women and i've seen so many guys do it in bars and i've and i had a lot of guys doing it to me growing up which is they they start off with this premise of like you're so confident i really love that in you they don't what they really like is destroying your confidence over a period of time that's the game for them so yeah wow we live in a living hell <laughs> yeah sorry that's my hair uh, no no no, that's my no brain it, just, splurge. it
1: just hit home just fucking hit home yeah it's horrible it is something that's happened to me a lot and it's something one of the reasons why i end up with bad people in particular is because this idea that they sold me at the beginning that they love this confident side of me they love the wildness they love that animalistic quality that i have in my life and they love it but
0: they spend the next year trying to stamp it out yeah and i think it's part of this weird transaction which we have which is women can't own sexiness women must be given sexiness. Yes. Again, like you, your confidence must be given by somebody else's eyes. Like sexiness and confidence are only really allowed to exist through the eyes of the person giving it to you. Yes. It's that fucking street track. You're fit, but my God, don't you know it? Like the minute that you have any kind of self-esteem or belief in your power of sexiness, you've shattered the illusion. You yeah. are a terrible woman.
1: Oh yeah, because have you ever tried the experiment? My favourite experiment that I went through phase of doing last two years ago when I was feeling really bored. When anyone said in the street, "Oh, you're so beautiful," or "You're so sexy," or "You're so hot," or "You're so things," I go, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, They lose their fucking mind Oh Oh, my god One guy was like oh you're so sexy And I was like yeah I know And then he just full on lost his shit Because he like full on screamed at me in the street Like how dare you You're disgusting you shouldn't know that And I was like oh the only reason you're angry Is because you thought you were so entitled to think That you were the only person to give it to me That you were giving me this magical gift That I already knew I fucking have Because I've been making money out of it for the last decade Yep I have experienced that abuse. <laughs> I've also done it online where people were like random messaging me. I just went through a phase of being like, whenever they like to do the stupid messages, like you're so beautiful. Yeah, I know. Yeah I know Then cue a whole message of just shit A wave of shit of how disgusting I was And how vile and how uh, how I'm not beautiful anymore And how like women like me are damaged and all that stuff
0: Yeah so, oh yeah Yeah I went for that period too Yeah I know Oh you think you're too fucking nice don't you Fucking bitch all this kind Yeah whoa Yeah Yeah it comes with this idea of women being
1: submissive And it's kind of like, oh, thank you so much. Please, please, uh, let me do your cleaning while you pay for me to exist. And it's uh, it's, it's just vile. I hate it. I hate it so much.
0: It doesn't happen so much anymore. Validate me. Validate me. Because you're coming out of the bracket. I have another theory on this. Oh, I'm getting older. (laughs) Yeah. So when I was in my 20s and... Obviously, I can't speak for all people, particularly women in their 20s, but it would be an interesting survey. I have observed it and I'm older as well. You're not really aware that you live in a misogynistic environment. If you are like I was, and I, and I think you were um, women who win at patriarchy, which is a term that I love, I, you fit very easily into the category of acceptable women. So young, pretty, thin, know how to play the game. And so you'll kind of win at patriarchy for a while and you'll think that's life. then you'll move out of the box into a whole other spectrum of things. One of the obvious one is you get older and then all of a sudden you've moved into a different category. And then one thing you experience less of is things like street harassment and stuff. But it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means that you're not in the box anymore. Welcome to my box.
1: No, no, no. It's okay. Like this part of the whole podcast is like me monitoring my aging process and like I'm looking forward to getting older. Like I'm looking forward to less shouting in the street. I'm looking forward to all those things. Not looking forward to my metabolism slowing down. That's frustrating me quite a lot. I liked how easy my life was. Yeah, I know. It sucks. (laughs) But yeah, I have noticed it and I have always, I have wondered if it is a case of me getting older. I look at myself in the mirror and I don't see anyone different. I feel like I look the same in terms of like my body doesn't look any older. My face doesn't look any older. But then I look at pictures of me when I was 19 and I'm like, oh, I was
0: baby faced. Fucking hell. But I think it opens up a really creepy thing, doesn't it? Because... You don't lose attractiveness to older you get. Firstly, obviously, our world, our media, our society, there you go. That's the word I wanted. It prioritizes youth. But secondly, it's vulnerability. That's what you have when you're a young woman vulnerability. And that is really fucking creepy. Mm, yeah, it's this
1: kind of like weird sexual fantasy that people have been sold from the beginning, which is this corruption of the innocent. And that is, is kind of like, because that's the ultimate power. You're, if you turn over someone to the bad side, it's the ultimate power. And it stems right through from like Gothica literature like with the vampire through to a standard like modern day quite... Um, youthful porn and i understand where it stems from because of course tainting someone over to the like dark side is wonderful and fun and it sounds delightful but taken to the extreme trickles into daily society and is the epitome of what people associate with sexiness and it becomes very 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 um scary but
0: that's not a win, taking somebody over to the dark side who is already in a stage of their life where they're quite malleable. <laughs> Why don't you try and take some 45-year-old badass bitch over to the dark side? Come on, flex your fucking muscles, you think you're so good. That is essentially, isn't it, what Hannah Gatsby says oh. in Nanette. She's like, you know, no woman in who's 17 is in her prime. Why don't you test your masculinity on me? And again, like mm. when you unpick these things, they're just rooted in, in such a disturbing sense of what we've sexualized and why. Oh, I didn't know this was going to get depressing so quickly. I've got questions written down by, do you feel sexy on stage? <laughs> why do you think people associate sexiness with burlesque? We've just gone straight to rape culture and patriarchy. <laughs> oh,
1: my like notes have been like emphasizing aesthetics. I've got things about like stockings and where they should go <laughs> on a fucking leg. But no, let's talk about the fundamental issues with youth and how it's used to manipulate,
0: control, vulnerable adults into thinking that their sexiness is about being submissive to another person. (gasps) Yes, and then you can manipulate them into doing what you want. It's fucking hideous. There's a reason why... Tabloids like the Daily Mail were obsessed with paedophile hunting, whilst on the next page, sexualizing girls who are just coming up to the age of consent and are just after. And it's this kind of like, these people are monsters, but we're okay. No, no, <laughs> no, no. You're all dealing in the same arena of shitness. Mm. Some of it is obviously worse than others, but it's a spectrum. And again, it's good that we identified the term rape culture to describe that, which is still a term that some people say doesn't exist. Bollocks.
1: No, cool. I'm so glad that we stormed right into this. And I love that Rich is going to have to edit whatever is coming next and put it beforehand. Well, yeah. We <laughs> just need to beginning. remember this is how we do it, where we just pile it in and go, this is what's wrong with the word sexy. This is what's wrong with the sexiness. But did you know that if you wear your bra with a slight bit underwire it means you kind of create this idea of clavage? Like, fucking hell, I don't want to do it anymore. Can't wait to do this live. <laughs>
0: I'm going to start my show by taking a shit on stage and no makeup. There's your sexiness. Eat (laughs) it. It's not going to happen. Well, at the moment, I'll do anything for money. What do you think about scat? Okay, so, so sexiness, I think, breeds, again, resentment and as somebody who grew up, like sexiness was my thing, which we've touched on in other episodes, which is why I fell in love with Burlesque because it was the arena where it wasn't held against me. Sexiness is something that I grappled with a lot growing up because it was both a power and something that was weaponized to use against me. Something that made me not part of polite society, that made people not like me, that made people want to take advantage of me. And sexiness, you know, is kind of loved and revered and resented at the same time. And it's often resented woman to woman and I'm sort of interested in you know why that takes place and on the one hand you know we need to detangle a lot of that on the other hand I get it because part of the narrative of sexiness is built up within the structure of patriarchy. it's like acceptable power that we're given but only given to some women and in that way sexiness is another can be another word for power but because of this idea that sexiness is given it's not exuded of one's own free will. It gives you power, but only within a constructed environment created by patriarchy.
1: Well, yeah, it also, um, that also leans into the representation of sexy in media and even things that go to like the first appearance of the femme fatale and stuff. A woman who presents as sexy is a villain constantly. And it's because mm. they have power, therefore, they're dangerous, along with intelligence and the right to vote. I don't know. <laughs>
0: But it's a hard one to unpick because no doubt we'll get into sexiness without the male gaze and I'm not sure we even know what that looks like.
1: You're right. I have no idea. Okay, that's an interesting thing. What does sexiness look like without the male gaze? Whenever I describe sexiness or whenever I talk about sexy to my students or to my lovers, <laughs> it's always very much a frame of mind. There is something that happens in me where I feel sexy. It's quite easy for me to present as sexy due to the privileged standpoint that, like you said earlier, that I stand in where I am white, I am slim, I am of a certain height and I'm able-bodied, so therefore I will just exist in a frame, a box that does exist. And I have the youth mm. still, still, <laughs> Still, really. For now. <laughs> so it's easy for me to present as sexy in the male gaze. But sexiness, when it means to myself, is very much a feeling. It's feeling of impulse and eruption and this kind of giving into what just feels nice and good, even if it's smell, taste. It's giving into my senses. That then translates to confidence because then I become more intoxicated with something that I want therefore I'm more likely to go out and get it and therefore more likely to portray as confidence so I think it's more of a cause and effect I don't think confidence is something that I do to be sexy if that makes sense.
0: Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned senses because those are obviously all experiences and only one of them is sight And I think we've been sold this idea that sexiness is predominantly based on how something looks, whereas you've brought up about how something feels uh, and how you experience things. And I think that's a much healthier version of sexiness, a much more empowered version of sexiness and a much more individual version of sexiness.
1: Mm, That has also just come with a journey of me trying to take away the performative aspect of sex trying to remove the concept of playing a role within sex and starting to act within it on pleasure and not doing anything else other than what feels good if that makes sense and that's come Mm. with sexiness and the more i've done that the more i found myself becoming feeling more sexy and in turn the more my partners have been more like this is great (laughs) she licks everything (laughs) yeah i just like sweat so I find it interesting whenever I teach I always say if someone wanted to get turned on by just visuals they'd buy a picture or a magazine they wouldn't turn up to a show mm. so go sweat on them
0: <laughs> not now save your social distance <laughs> wash your hands um- <laughs> Well, I've always found it when people get really prudish or, or, or kind of bring up ridiculous definitions of burlesque, this idea of nudity coming into play. But for me, nudity isn't sexy. Like it can be beautiful. It can be empowering. It can be lots of other positive things. But you can see nude bodies everywhere. You know, if you've got a phone that has an attachment to the internet, you know, you can see nudes. Nudity isn't the definition of, of sexy. I find it really odd when people who don't understand burlesque kind of bring up these things about like nudity and what that means and it's like you know we watch burlesque to see people taking their clothes off really i mean you can watch people taking their clothes off and tons of billions of scenarios that existed have you got a mirror yeah <laughs> during the period when there was no burlesque i i, I can assure you if somebody's produced burlesque for many years that's not why people come to burlesque shows but again like this yeah nudity i think makes a really weird thing in people's minds when they think of it in relation to sexiness
1: well you're just saying that nudity isn't sexy the only reason people associate it with sexiness is because it's been sold with this idea of secrecy exclusivity and the idea of when someone sees you naked you lose power therefore the beholder gains power that's not sexiness that's power play it's very very different but because of the male gaze and the patriarchy idea of sexiness which is kind of taking a vast of vulnerability the power play element does come into the nudity thing so it's a mismatch of things therefore you see someone's naked vulnerable
0: hmm interesting
1: thanks for that that's my theory <laughs> i'm just gonna this what is gin salt if we just do not splurt our theories all over the place one of the things that is interesting is for example like sending someone a nude the reason a nude is on your phone when you've asked for it, consensual nudes everyone, is sexy is because you're revealing yourself and you're being quite vulnerable. That person then has power in their hand because they could just share those photos and people do. Revenge porn is a huge, huge market. It is terrifyingly big. Never Google it if you want to live through tomorrow without feeling like you hate the world and all the glory that has existed. So my theory though, of course, is that like nudity plus something is sexy. So, for example, if you add nudity to something mundane, so me doing my admin naked is sexy because you're taking mundane and you're applying something quite like adverse to it. I don't find that sexy. Yeah, but I'm some not people saying do. Just taking the for familiar me- and turning it on his head It's the act of turning familiar onto its head. The same reason people find fireman outfits sexy. Things like that. You're taking something normal and subverting it to sexual. So
0: weird. Does that makes sense. I think it's weird. It, yeah, it does. It just yeah, it's just one of the things that I've never found sexy. I don't know if like growing up in Italian culture where nudity isn't mm. this big taboo thing. For me, it's just like yeah, doing your admin naked. God, isn't that a bit uncomfortable when you're sitting on that seat and you've got your fanny juice all over the upholstery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's no, totally,
1: and, and I think it is. <laughs> you can't baby wipe that stuff out. I think it's so culturally dependent. It doesn't make any sense. But if, it, as a society that uses sex to sell things, the more it keeps control of women keeping their bodies to themselves, or people keeping the bodies to themselves in general, it means that they're able to use sexiness with ties to nudity in order to sell you more products and exclusivity. Mm. But I like sexiness plus things like sexiness. Like if I'm someone's naked but just wearing stockings, it dries me up the wall. I love it. I love it. I don't know what it is, but it's so delicious and lovely. And it's not just socks, though. No. <laughs> not socks.
0: Stockings. Not Just socks, to be clear. Stockings. Everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I find it interesting. And I find that interesting that that's something for me. Like, so it's not nudity. It's nudity plus.
0: Yeah. Um, you've touched on a theory that I have, which is that there. Oh, have I touched your theory? You've touched my theory. You've touched me in my theory place. Yeah, it's not funny. I'll leave the puns to you. Um, there's there's a reason... <laughs> My theory, <please. laughs> Just, I've told you, I'm here for the, the opinion and commentary, not for the lols today. <laughs> That's your job. Are you doing very well, so thanks for carrying that burden for the two of us. Yeah. Uh, the burlesque works best in cultures with prudishness. And I think that's a huge reason why Britain and America are two of the biggest burlesque pockets of the industry. One of my favorite things to do when I've traveled for burlesque is to see how burlesque resonates in different countries, because I think it says a lot about a kind of national identity. So for example, Italian burlesque I found to be incredibly aesthetically driven. And there isn't really a massive reliance on the element of the tease because nudity is a taboo in Italy. It's ridiculous over there to be like, ooh, what's behind these fans? It's tits. We've seen them on every statue and every billboard around us. We've seen our mother's tits, our sister's tits, our own tits. Again, it's like this weird thing that just sort of doesn't resonate. So the reveal always takes a bit of a backseat in a lot of the Italian classic burlesque that I've seen. On the other spectrum, I think it's, it's completely then logical that burlesque would be such a big part of british and american entertainment culture because we are so freaking prudish.
1: Yeah, no, I I never considered that properly before, but as soon as you started saying it, I was like makes fucking sense. Of course it does, and these two places in particular have just really really shamed nudity as a general thing and getting increasingly worse it would seem. Oh, that's fascinating. That's a really 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 good point. And it's it's interesting though when you think about it and then it's like how UK's associated with prudishness. We've kind of monetized the prudishness by making burlesque successful, blah, 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 blah. But then we originated, we are the origin of burlesque, which I find even more satisfying and delicious. Oh, that's delicious and delightful because we found a market and we poked it. We poked it with sweaty, (laughs) sexy fingers. (laughs) Okay, cool. I really, really like that as a theory. What do you do to tap into your sexiness? When you're walking onto stage, how do you put a a leash on your sexiness and and use it to your craft, if you do?
0: I think I use power Mm. because I don't think a lot about sexiness when I create burlesque and when I create burlesque shows, which I think would surprise a lot of people. And it's probably because I think when you try and be sexy, it never works trying is the most unsexy thing ever. (laughs) And so I then try and tap into things like confidence, connection, power, reveling in the joy of my body, which I suppose for some people might be their definition of sexiness. So the other thing is, you know, it's really hard to define sexy. One person's sexy is another person's turn off. So if you try and kind of work out that definition for your audience, I think you're putting yourself into a bit of a creative nightmare. So I think when people probably say to me, that was a really sexy performance, what I've done when I've walked on stage is just try to exude that real goddess energy, which is like earthy and in my body and lots and lots of eye contact and I've tried to really slow down my movements and I've really brought in this kind of sensory element actually and I hadn't considered it that way until you brought up the senses earlier but like, you know, how does the how does this feel? What's the smell? What's the touch? I've said two senses twice but, uh, <laughs> but I, that's the route that I will tend to go into if I'm really pushing out an act that's reveling in kind of sexiness.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think because I'm the same sexiness isn't something that I really think about when I teach burlesque. I talk about how to tap into the sexiness and things like that but in my actual work sexiness I don't really tap into it that much apart from the shuffle when I have to switch it on as quick as a bunny because I've only had 1.5 seconds because the song has changed and it's a sexy song and I have to embody it 110% otherwise it's not going to land it's not going to fucking land and the way I do that is uh, memory training and it's what I teach my students as well is that every single person every single person listening I can guarantee you have a memory and it makes you Feel the things and it makes you smile and it curls your lip, and you don't ever have to share it with anyone. It can be by yourself, it can be with anyone, but you tap into it and it's there. And instantly, you can flash it into your head and it's there and it's real, and you can transport yourself there as quick as a bunny. And your body reacts, therefore, your body will then perform in that way. And I live in that second, and that's the only way that I can really do it on a flip of a dime. And it's also a trick that I do use if i'm doing something a bit more sexual but all of my work is about being aggressive and brash and gross just gross is my main thing (laughs) but then there's a really weird part of my sexiness and sexuality that has come from grossness and a lot of my personal sexiness has also come from grossness which is just like things that we are told are not proper like sweat spit being gross and animalistic and just blah is told is not sexy because we're supposed to sit there with our legs open uh sweatless poised and expressionless but in nice lingerie
0: <laughs> dead face i can't look at lingerie adverts anymore dead face oh my
1: god we have to do an episode why do i want to look at
0: corpses of women wearing pretty underwear i don't understand why that doesn't
1: work yeah the amount of time that i uh, see underwear
0: and i'm like what where is that going yeah it doesn't make any sense you can't eat sit and live in that you can't wear that on the tube you can't put that on in the morning for a sexy experience at the end of the day and still have it looking nice <laughs> no and
1: like and there was one where it was just like it was like straps across the bum and i'm just like what bum wouldn't gobble that up in a whole second <laughs> like they were just flimsy strings like sp- supposed to perfectly sit and i'm like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no it doesn't make sense. And sexiness is not lingerie. Even though lingerie can't... This is one topic that I do want to dive into, if you have a second. Do you have a mm. second? Okay. <laughs> I have nothing else to do, apparently. So. Uh, sexiness in the visual sense and how people have like kind of associated it with lingerie and things like that. A lot of it is the male gaze taken to exaggeration, where essentially one dude was like, that lace is nice because I can see through it. And people went, ah, sexy. I see your point. Do you wear anything that does make you feel sexy? Like, is there anything that you put on and just go, ooh, I would eat me? Something that just makes you want to shout, dinner time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I have clothes that make me feel sexy. And now that we don't really work much, I'm like, iron up my lingerie that I wouldn't normally touch with a barge pole and <laughs> be like, oh, it be nice to put that on, feel sexy. I find it really difficult to dismantle how much of that is me and how much of that I've been brainwashed into thinking is sexy. And this is the eternal nightmare. But yes, uh, I was just asking you a simple question about pants. Why do you want to go down there? Uh yes, of course I have uh, anything that exaggerates curves uh, doesn't make me feel wildly uncomfortable and uh it is flattering, it's sexy to me.
1: Yeah also I'm not stopping you go down that one I just find it funny where I'm like so tell me a nice thing no
0: (laughs) no I've ruined it with um with life I
1: found comfort has become my sexiness where I try and wear heels and tight clothes that would sit and fit my body perfectly and I'd go out and that used to make me feel sexy because that was me conforming to what I was told I was supposed to do in public to me now throwing on a pair of combat trousers and my like boss ass apocalypse boots and like a fucking sports bra and I feel sexy as hell because I just feel I feel strong I feel I can do anything and I feel like I can take someone down and it's really really empowering and like even like throwing on a pair of shorts and my cowboy boots it doesn't make sense to anyone but it I feel like I can run I feel like I can kick and it means that I can feel like I can strap you down for a ride and it's
0: nice it's really nice Ooh, Yeah, that's nice I mean the exact opposite ah,
1: it also comes with the masculine dress thing where it was something that I've been doing over the last few years where it's like wearing more men's clothing and feeling more comfortable that's really helped my yeah. sexiness because it's, it's allowed me to exist in a realm that hasn't conformed to the male gaze of what I've been sold just because my body presents as particularly feminine doesn't mean that Mm-mm. I have to present it as feminine in the world in order to feel, sec- feel sexual
0: no that's cool uh, yeah no I uh, heels dresses that. Uh, exaggerate hourglass figures, tits, bags, <laughs> hair done, jewelry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've still got that hyper femme girly girl thing in my brain. Yeah, which I don't resent, but again that does conveniently fit into the pocket of what is supposed to be sexy, so you know, it does make you wonder how much of that is genuine choice and how much of that is I've been sold that this is the idea of sexiness. Although I do think within that at least I have reset my level of what sexy body is for me, obviously we're all talking about personal taste and I like this idea of a lot like curves, flesh and I think, you know, eating comes into that like this sensory kind of tasting and indulging and enjoying yourself which links into like enjoying bodies and more bodies and I found curvier bodies seem more sexual to me than the slim mainstream stereotype to my personal taste which also you know uh, will be me doing a lot of work on my own self-image as well because as we've discussed in previous episodes I've gone from a very slender mainstream body to a much curvier fleshier body and I want to feel sexy and so I've had to reset my benchmark of what that means to me.
1: I find that really really interesting and i think that's a really positive takeaway but it does show that a lot of sexiness and the programming we do towards it has to be done internally before it can be done externally Mm. and i think especially with discussions around fat phobia and how like larger bodies have been desexualized and basically been told they're unattractive and things like that it's something that i've never understood because the more i give into the fact that i love flesh and impulse the more i love the concept of uh, larger bodies and and different bodies of all kinds because it's flesh and and more and less and difference and all those things it's really really satisfying and fun and i think there is a really intrinsic link between the problems with sexiness and fat phobia it's really lovely and a huge discussion but i'm here for puns so you you lead the way i'll give the funnies
0: <laughs> i think it's that thing isn't it of like Enjoying life is sexy, yes. and we bizarrely, whilst upholding slimness, have also got this philosophy in us that's like it's associated with denial, and for some people denial is sexy but for me it isn't like just eat the fucking cake have that glass of wine you know that that belly is indicative of having another slice of cheese of staying out that little bit later again this idea of enjoying life but I think that's a really complex thing because we uphold it on one hand and we destroy it on the other hand yeah you can enjoy life but not too much
1: (laughs) would you say that basically our concepts of sexiness are the same then because they are both based on that sexiness is happiness.
0: Yeah, I'd say that sexiness is is happiness, which yeah will breed contentment in yourself, which is yeah. linked to confidence, and that's sexy. Yeah, write that down on a little formula. <laughs> Here's the science part. Well, I've just written denial is sexy because it's associated
1: with the idea of control and all those things that come with it, and that's moving into other kinds of stuff. And because mm. I agree with that, but I don't associate that with food. Um, It depends on... Do
0: people get off on that?
1: Yes, they do. Food control is a huge DS thing. Mm -hmm. And is this part of DS and any responsible DS relationship done well is...
0: What does DS mean? Dom sub. Here for all the vanilla people to ask. Dominant (laughs) submissive. (laughs) Only in burlesque am I the vanilla taster. To everyone who knows me outside of Bellesque, I literally might as well be swinging from a tree with my vagina on display, <laughs> rubbing my tits covered in leaves, screaming dildos now or whatever fantasy cool. they have of my life. In I'd Bel-esque. love to meet your friends. <laughs> <laughs>
1: have you seen my dildo shaped like a dragon <laughs> so yeah and then no, no, no so ds stands for dominant submissive so it's a relationship where you have a dom and sub gaia so cool. it does exist and uh, any like relationship like that done well can be healthy and all the things because it gives people control and power over what they want but yeah I, I also think denial does come into that sexiness and also i think there is an element of power in denial i feel like I gain confidence in myself and in my body when I do deny myself things, like when I stop myself from spending money or when Mm -hmm. I stop myself from eating too much crap, like I'll eat crap, but like eating so much that it does make me like feel sick. So being able to go, no, I know what this is going to do to you in an hour's time. I know eating that whole thing of ice cream is going to make you feel really sick and shit about yourself. So if I stop now, I feel better that power of being able to do that to my body and that autonomy of being like oh okay no I know what's better for me makes me feel so strong and so powerful and gives me the control to feel good about myself this isn't a body image thing way not like being like slimmer
0: but just not feeling crap because I've eaten like four liters of dairy that's so interesting I'm the exact opposite yeah sexiness for me is no just fucking buy it well i eat this whole tub now yeah shovel in your mouth <laughs> who knows what will happen buy more wear more be more that's when i f- would feel sexy
1: yeah i do totally get that and i do have elements of it i definitely like pour myself a tequila at two o'clock in the afternoon with ice and lime and i salt the rim and i make it as excessive as possible because it's for me only me and I will get out my vibrator and have two hours to myself and it's excessive and glorious. Love it. <laughs> Do you have to
0: trump my excess sexiness? I wasn't trumping it. I was just helping. Oh, I was helping elaborate the point, weren't you? Do you ever stir the ice in tequila with your vibrator? No, no. Maybe you should.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> my whole body... I mean, went- that salt's got a sting if you don't <laughs>
0: wash it off before you... I was see- thinking one hand
1: sterilising, <laughs> on the other hand... Oh god what if i forgot ah! <laughs> <laughs> What do you find
0: sexy in someone else Um <coughs> corona <laughs> not that authenticity ah, that's on my list of things What still- do you mean by authenticity somebody who knows who they are and who just showing their true self there's no facades there's no pretending um it's just again it's linked to confidence isn't it and and freedom to be yourself just seeing somebody genuinely be them and not give a shit is sexy mm,
1: that is very true I do agree I think that's a really lovely lovely thing but you talent uh another sexy thing it's a sexy thing and I'm, I'm not talking in terms of like being able to sing or dance or anything like that. those things are great and it's not just talent it's that button. I don't know how to describe it you find a button and they start talking about it and they light up passion and their whole passion that's it yeah both are sexy talent is also sexy like I'm always attracted to people who are who excel in something I always am attracted to it because it's just like mm, mm, I want to collect you like some weird menagerie but uh no passion when someone lights up and it can be mm. anything it can be like about fucking uh, sofas i don't care but it's something that makes them light up and their whole body is engaged in the discussion and it just makes my blood boil into mm. a sugary frenzy of like
0: get it in my mouth it's <laughs> <laughs> that also linked <laughs> to this idea of enjoying life because yes. if you're passionate about something yes it, it, it's all part of that world isn't it mm. yeah uh Going back to the thing we were discussing
1: earlier about how sexiness is like used as an advertising thing and how advertising and sexiness are linked. Is it because inherently sexiness to all of us is happy and a happy life and contentiveness and the strive to be content? So even though sexiness is sold to us in one way, we're craving it because truly it does exist in ourselves in another way.
0: Uh, Sadly, no. I think if that was the case, that would be lovely. (laughs) I don't think that's why marketing and advertising people zoned in on sexiness, sadly. Uh, It would be much healthier if what you said was true. I'm wondering if it's not necessarily true to advertising, but true to people. So they see the advertising and they're reading that? Yeah, so they're associating it with everything else that comes with it. Or is it just tits and stuff? Well, I don't know. Maybe. I've always thought sexiness is so often linked to objectivity is that the right word objectification that's the one i'm trying to say and it's to do with like here's one product a woman here's another product you'd like a car what if the woman was lying on the car you can have them both <laughs> one leads to the other what you describe sounds far too healthy for our fucked up oh, world No,
1: i think it's just i was just like in my head i was like because i still do get drawn in on campaigns that use sex as a sales point but because sexiness to me is very much along those lines of like uh senses happiness passion all those things Mm. but then that just comes with the idea of advertising is always trying to sell you a better life so that's just in general so it's not necessarily sexiness that was a bit of a tangent i don't know if you want to keep it or not but my brain just did it no
0: i liked it it was it was an interesting question so given that people assume that burlesque is all about sexiness, even though within the industry, uh, we probably wouldn't agree with that statement. How do we teach sexiness? And what do we teach in place of sexiness? How do you tackle the subject of sexiness with your students?
1: The first thing I do whenever I have a new class is I always ask, what do you think of when I say the word burlesque? Eight out of ten times, people say sexy. They always say sexy. Yep. Yep. No, sexiness is always in the top one or two uh, usually for my lot Just i don't, don't know if that says anything about the courses we teach but here we are maybe it may be uh so sexiness and i'm always like okay cool that's great but then i go into a spiel about parody and satire and all those things and the origins of burlesque and then and they look disappointed they do they look like i get that like, sometimes yeah oh, fuck, she's not the teacher we did the taster course with
0: yeah <laughs> you know what i found out for <laughs> Is <laughs> this in burlesque?
1: And the little hearts die. But then I'm like, I will teach you elements of sexiness because that's why you're here. And I understand that. So it's always about engaging with that part of yourself that has never been shamed. That whole speech about burlesque is a part of you that's never been shamed. It's the part of you that is the full version of you. And that full version of you gives into the full version of what you want. And that is sexy. And it's the whole spiel about if you wanted to see something sexy, you would pick up a magazine. Sex is everywhere. Mm. So why go to a show because sexy isn't visual sexual is everything Mm. from smell to taste to touch to that sixth sense on the back of your neck when you know that you're about to give in to something that is going to be the most delicious and exciting ride of your life and evoking that in your face and in your body is how to create sexiness on
0: stage nice
1: i see sexy people
0: (laughs) what about you i try and teach a combination of confidence learning to be comfortable in your skin and learning your expression of your sexuality or sensuality. And within burlesque, very often it's about femininity because a lot of our students are women or people who want to explore their femininity. And femininity has been seen as problematic or is problematic in lots of Pockets of our society. So the first thing I try and do is kind of dismantle that and get them to just kind of experiment with different ways of how they want to express that and what feels more comfortable to them. And I think that's the bridge for a lot of what we've been talking about. It's like when it feels right to you, you feel more confident in yourself, you are sexier. I think people have this perception that we're probably like, okay, here's your tick chart. I hope you've all bought your suspender belts with you. Now I'm going to teach you how to stand up straight. This pose makes you look sexy. That's Post makes you look dumpy, sexy, dumpy, or some kind of bollocks list of sexy because everyone, not just women, wants a safe boundary so they know that they're getting things right. And what we have to teach them is that it's not about getting things right, it's about understanding you and then expressing it confidently. And I think it's really interesting when I watch new performers on stage. I think I can tell whether they're doing moves that makes them feel good and sexy or whether they're doing moves or whatever, what they've chosen to wear that they think they have to do. And that is kind of where I link to authenticity on stage, particularly within It's
1: mm, Especially rife right in new performers because they will learn that that discomfort and that or inauthentic, 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 inauthentic. <sighs> that word is yeah. um, not useful <laughs> mm-hmm. and they will like lean into it and learn into it like even my more iconically uncomfortable costumes are still confident, comfortable and speak to a part of me which is going to invoke a certain type of thing and that's really interesting especially moves as well it's mm-hmm. like when people have been taught certain courses where it's like this is a shimmy this is a bump and grind. This is thing. And you can see burlesque by numbers on stage, and you can see there's always one move in a newer performer. Everyone who's listening and who's a newer performer, don't stress. We all do it. And we just have to eke out which are the ones, which are the ones that are right for us. We know you take to heart what we say. Please don't stress. Please don't stress. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> it's okay. I think that's a part of any person's sexual journey is trying out what they've been told is sexy and what they think is sexy, and then learning what actually works for them it's this kind of like weird false start of sexuality and i think it's quite prevalent in female identifying and women because it's just this idea that we could only exist in a certain boundaries of sexiness because there's a certain amount of sexiness that is safe
0: Mm, yeah safe for
1: us to do if you go over it you're at risk of all kinds of bad behavior happening to you yeah so when you get told by someone else that these certain things work but they're also presenting them as safe, you're more likely to follow that kind of burlesque by numbers.
0: I think part of this is the reason why I get uncomfortable when I get contacted by very young performers. And there are there are exceptions to the rule. Uh, you probably were in your early 20s when I first started working with you and a few other House of Burlesque artists. I was 20. Right. I was so young. Jesus Christ I had to burp you Before we put you on stage Oh yeah it's 21 21 There you go <laughs> I, The thing about doing An art form like burlesque Is that If you do it professionally You're not supposed to be working your shit out on stage you're supposed to have understood your shit and then have packaged it for the audience in a way that you're creating a dialogue or a story with them so it's more about picking and choosing which elements of your sexuality and in our common understanding of sexuality you're going to choose because you know at its top level that is what creating art should be and as burlesque performers we create art out of our bodies and out of our eroticism particularly in certain styles of burlesque and also in certain styles of burlesque and others and it's this difficult thing I think burlesque is a great tool for understanding what works for you and that can be done at a massively broad age range and and actually um I think teenage girls would uh, earn a lot or earn oh god no earn a lot of money put them out into the world no um (laughs) teenage girls (laughs) would get a lot of benefit from performing their sensuality within a safe environment and burlesque is one of the tools to do that but that's very different to performing on stage as a profession and that is why I think being contacted by you know 18 19 20 21 year olds people who want to do burlesque girls in particular always makes me feel a little bit icky because I'm like you're working out your shit still and that's cool but before I charge people tickets to watch you do it I need to make sure that you've gone through the process process first i said are exceptions to the rule not only you but other great performers who kind of have understood themselves in relation to burlesque and in relation to performance but i think you are more the exception to the rule what do you what do you think
1: oh i think i was still working out a lot of shit so i'm like lol yeah (laughs) you kept a lot of that
0: to yourself so well done
1: well i i was mm, i was working out in a lot of ways in many ways and that I had a really sexual performative outlet because that was 20 years old was when I found BDSM and DS and I had a real performative outlet to explore my sexuality in a safe place where there were boundaries and consent. Everything was spoken about. Communication was a huge thing from the offset. But I do really, really, really wish that there was something for younger women and I love the idea that we just you and me would just start taking burlesque to schools I'd love that <laughs> get arts council funding <laughs> it's sexual education for young women and specifically and also just queer people or disabled people sexual education around their pleasure just doesn't exist so Mm. there's no outlet or anything to be supportive of that kind of explorative journey so it's really easy for people to gravitate towards burlesque because they see it as a, a pathway to be able to do that sort of performative exploration how would you go into a school that wasn't burlesque but was burlesque and teach young people the ability to navigate their body in a performative way that wasn't performative to someone else. It's a really revolutionary idea Mm. I mean, if I could answer
0: that, we'd be rich because I'd have yeah, got funding for this shit and it'd be running in schools everywhere. <laughs> it'd be glorious. It'd be tough because you can do certain things like, you know, this idea of persona, of alter ego, of experimenting with kind of stereotypes to find out where you sit on a spectrum of kind of work creation and, and all the stuff that we've talked about in previous episodes, which Burlesque will give you. But I, I think that there is something important about choosing the striptease element of Burlesque because, again, I think it's that... It's that defining your sexuality and your sensuality and your eroticism by your own rules. And I think that's the bit that will be a hard sell. Mm.
1: (laughs) And catering it to your own body, specifically.
0: Yeah you know it's sad because that would be so vital if you could work out how to do it in an age appropriate way because so much of what teenage girls go through is being manipulated into doing things because they don't know their own sense of autonomy and they've never had a way of experimenting Mm. with it safely and so much awful damage is done that way that should be unpicked but how we unpick it i don't know burlesque is a great tool for that but you're never going to be able to teach that to 15 year olds (laughs)
1: no but it's so interesting how we were talking about how this kind of age and vulnerability is what the society deems as sexy and and controlling but us going into schools and giving young girls a tool in which to navigate their own bodies is so controversial
0: Mm, it's fascinating and
1: obviously we're not suggesting that we go into a school and teach 15 year olds how to take off their clothes Saying that, my mum taught me how to take my bra off at 14. That's not the point.
0: (laughs) Well, 15-year-old girls are probably taking off their clothes anyway and and doing things that maybe they don't want to do or they feel pressured into doing. So, yeah, if you have a more liberal mindset, what we're suggesting (laughs) isn't half as damaging.
1: Yeah, and with the age of technology as well. And also what really scares me is the age of like when I was young and getting drunk and doing stupid shit and finding out how... I was not straight and all the things we were the last generation to live in a time that wasn't camera phoned mm. and now sex is still used against people as kind of a revenge and spreading and all those kind of things where people will be used people's bodies against them, especially women and female identifying. But now in the age where the tools are so readily available for that and the weapon is still ripe, I can't even begin to imagine how a young woman, young
0: girl, uh, young, non-binary, anyone would navigate. How would you navigate that? I don't know. It sounds awful. I cannot. Uh, yeah. I have so much horror and love for young people trying to navigate their sexual identities in the age of phones on everything, recording in, everything, in the sharing the instantly. Public. Yeah. Which will be their... <laughs> Potentially forever. It's not just that yeah. it spreads so quickly; it's that it exists for a really long time as well. Yeah, and it will. Oh, it's really disturbing. Yeah, it was really disturbing. And and we give them no yeah. tools. Or oh, the tools that we give them i think are so limited and so born out of a different age and just still toxified by the shitty society mm. we live in all of it's bullshit yeah. <laughs> it's a quick way of saying that yeah it's it's really sad and i i worry about yeah young people. i worry about
1: the tiktok generation
0: i really do it's scary wow <sighs> climate change means we'll be dead by then anyway. <sighs> fucking hell
1: Bringing it back to LOLs. Oh my God. People are going to come onto this episode being like, oh my God, it's finally they're going to tap into like uh, sexiness and all it takes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to talk about how they use a merkin instead of a cheese string. And like, no, the patriarchy's fucked you over into thinking sexiness is a certain thing.
0: So, guys, this was not probably do the... do hire to come into your schools. <laughs> <laughs> but we have started a new education program. If anybody would like to give us some money. And me as a teenager
1: would have loved that because I was doing all kinds of things i was engaging in all kinds of sexual activities the only reason i was doing it safely was because my mother raised me in a way where she literally went through the sexual education from a very young age but the actual sexual aspect of it there's just nothing in place but anyway i'm just rambling so anything you want to add before we um end
0: this fury so do you get this when you teach striptease for the first time i'll often get a student really tentatively put up their hands and in a really quiet voice because they feel like they're saying something terrible. They say, I didn't feel very sexy doing that. Is that wrong (laughs) and i'm like no no
1: it's not wrong at all babe yeah i don't know if you have this it's the same line someone will have a breakdown because something doesn't make them feel sexy they'll do something and they'll have a physical emotional breakdown about it because they were expecting to do this move and to feel sexy they wanted a cure for whatever they were feeling and they did it and it didn't make them feel sexy and the disappointment and the frustration it's really hard to combat really hard to combat mm. and i always teach her that, like you'll find something in this class that makes you feel sexy other things will be more of a challenge and a hurdle i'm going to teach you as many things as possible because i believe in giving you as many tools as possible that is it i'm not expecting you to be good at everything mm. or, or even to enjoy everything
0: yeah that's fine yeah it's not a thing of you have to get
1: it right there is a right and a wrong yeah. way and it's also because most of burlesque when you're doing it right With a lot of things, yeah, sure, we can evoke a lot of sexiness and be in the movement. But sometimes we are just hoiking off corsets and hoiking off stockings and engaging our core (laughs) so we don't fucking fall over. There are moments where we're just like, "Don't die, don't die, don't die." Admittedly, those moments aren't sexy. And when you're the uh, the newer you are, the more common those moments are.
0: Yeah. I also think, like, you know, just because something might look sexy doesn't mean it it feels sexy. This is a profession at the end of the day. And if performing striptease looks effortless, it's because of the hours and hours and hours and hours of rehearsing. I tend to say, like, yeah, well, it isn't in lots of ways. You're dealing with multiple props because that's what items of clothing are that all function in different ways in a scenario where you're getting hot and sweaty and you're having to dance and perform at the same time. Yeah, you're probably not going to feel particularly sexy at doing it and that's okay like you're allowed to do that we practice yeah fuck loads
1: because if if sexiness just came down to the striptease element of it striptease in itself as an act is like going to the shop without your shopping list (laughs) you have to remember what you're looking for where it
0: is how it comes off (laughs) and at what time There's a lot going on. Sometimes you'll forget something. You'll have to go back and get it.
1: Sometimes you'll just flat out forget something. And sometimes they just won't have it.
0: And you'll just have to give up. (laughs) Sometimes you just get stuck in your corset and that's where you live now. Yeah. You'll be there forever. You just have to hoik your tits out at the end and have a laugh (laughs) with the audience. And whilst that's that's really, really funny, it doesn't fall under the checklist of what's sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Or what's performatively sexy? Because I think that is sexy because it's funny and you don't give a fuck. Well, this is my beef with people who are like, you can't be funny on stage. Like burlesque and comedy can't exist together because I'm like, hang on, stop. Tell me what is sexy And I bet one of your answers will be people that are funny are sexy. What is sexier than comedy? What is sexier than making somebody laugh? This idea that your burlesque routine has to be funny or it can be sexy is something that we really need to dismantle more in our industry. My favourite burlesque performers are people who are sexy but funny as fuck.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: comedy is sexy. Yeah. (sighs) I have nothing to add. Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) I'm out. Yeah. No, we're done. The tank is dry We're done Yeah um, It's not burlesque Unless you listen to gin salt. You are <laughs> right It is basic Yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sticking with it Oh it's not burlesque Unless
1: you wield your suitcase Over someone's foot To make a point
0: <laughs> God I miss doing that mm.
1: So are you mm. really Going to do that Are you <laughs>
0: Sorry oh, I'm sorry I didn't see you there
1: oh, Sorry Interesting isn't it Fuck
0: face <laughs> Twat Uh, uh, what would you like to plug Lola bro
1: no nothing only fans pay me hire me send me messages send me pictures of your cat
0: send me pictures of your plants that's what I want oh yes the plant obsession grows (laughs) I'd like to plug my, our request that if you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate us. Yours, just yours. (laughs) My request. I have nothing to do with it. I (laughs) need (laughs) stars. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please feel free to like and rate and write us a nice little review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other people find the podcast. Uh, that would be appreciated yeah. and oh, I love when you guys make us little stories and tell us how you're feeling on the social meds that perks up our day and it helps me have something to do whilst I'm mindlessly flicking through all of my apps because I have a real problem with my attention span at the moment
1: oh yeah it's awful I write out a list and then an hour later I look at the list going did I write that?
0: <laughs> what does it say? So,
1: what does it say? what is this gin salt, idman <laughs> 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 also on that note other things that would be really awesome and helpful for us is if you follow us on our social media come find us come say hi we love it when you do so follow us everywhere at Gin Salt Podcast. Uh, we're pretty much everywhere on all the things so do have a chat say hi follow us we are looking to increase this following because so far it's doing
0: pretty well we've been enjoying all of your listens I like to shout out to the 7am crew When I claw my eyes open at about 10.30am on a Tuesday, there's like 25 of you have gone in and listened straight away. Not all of them is me. Well, I've been asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of it is Rich. I don't listen to it anymore. How rude. I do.
1: I listen to the edit before it's gone out, but I don't listen to it once it's live.
0: I listen to it when it's live on the morning off because I literally cannot remember what happened from <laughs> the day that we recorded it, listen to the edit, and the day that it comes out. Wow.
1: <laughs> I know. Because that's how my brain's moment. A uh, huge thank you to Rich for all the editing and producing that they do for us. Do you follow Yay! them on their podcast as well? Which is, I might be wrong. I've almost said, might be wrong, you, <laughs> which was what was in my head. <laughs>
0: You can find the link on saw, this episode's description.
1: Yeah, because if I had, I saw Might Be Wrong UK and then I was like, you, Bobby, okay. Isn't it UK?
0: <laughs> I feel like we get this wrong every time in which just very kindly doesn't correct us. <laughs> the name of this podcast. <laughs> thank you very much to Rosie Verbose, who we have to thank for the epic jingle at the end of our podcast. Uh, please do follow them and also their collective if that's the right word invisible cabaret which is a cabaret inspired by mental health and has a brilliant social media and when they get up and running for shows again go and go and visit go and buy tickets Mm,
1: and a huge thank you to you my listeners all of you big fan
0: thought you were going to say to me oh no thank you tempest Uh, thank you thank you lolo for this insightful and interesting discussion that allows me to feel connected to our industry whilst not being able to work ah
1: cool yeah that (laughs) <laughs> that. Oops. thank you everyone for tuning in we love all the support and stuff so we can't wait to see you live tomorrow but obviously this will be
0: out after that last so week we last couldn't week. wait to see you live last week so hopefully that went well
1: yeah <laughs> and on that joyous note uh, I guess um, see you next bye. Tuesday see you next Tuesday bye <laughs> so you wanna be a showgirl a star of cabaret but the closure of the theatre
0: And in your day Well here's two artists Who miss burlesque gigs Performing and acting moronic
1: People who When life gives them lemons Just slice them up for a gin
0: and tonic They put the mock in mocktail The cock in cocktail Let them show you how It's gin salt With
1: tempest rose And low Low
0: sound of the tit ferrets at the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god. Sounds like tit 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 tit.
0: Okay, we forced the plot. Good.
1: Good. Bottom of yeah, the barrel. Yeah. Bottom of the yeah. barrel. Woo. Get Let's get there. <laughs> right.
0: <sighs>